Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Hello, beautiful humans and bad bitches. Welcome back to the show. This one is going to be juicy and edgy as always. I feel like all the topics that I always want to talk about are, but this one particularly so because I want to talk about my thoughts on cancel culture, specifically in the coaching industry, and also open up a conversation around online shaming, people judging you for expressing yourself on the internet or in your business. And I'm going to talk about why it can be so damaging and limiting if you are someone who struggles with that fear of being judged and share a couple of tips for how you can see it in a new way, reframe it and move through some of those blocks. So that that fear of people coming for you or spreading rumors about you or trying to take you down or thinking that you're a bad person doesn't limit you from doing the amazing things that you're here to do and sharing your voice in beautiful ways. Before I dive in, I want to let you know that next week I'm opening my new program, Burn the Rules. And the reason I'm mentioning this and inviting you to take a mental note is because if you love this episode, if you find it helpful, if it shifts your perspective in a really great way, this is the kind of program that you might be a match for. You're the kind of person that I'm creating this for. And I'm kind of creating this program for the former past version of me that was struggling with a lot of this stuff. And I'm so freaking excited to finally be opening the doors after months and months and months of teasing it and letting you guys know about it. So there is a waitlist link in the show notes if you want to be on that waitlist because the first 20 people inside get crazy good bonuses. Like they're so, so good. (laughs) Um, Or if you're just curious and you want to know about it when it does open next week, you can be on that waitlist, no strings attached. And if you're listening to this later on, then check my Instagram because maybe the doors are open by the time you are receiving this. Okay, so let's dive in. Cancel culture. Most of the people who are in my community, and I would say most of my listeners, you're probably against cancel culture. The reason that I believe this about you is because most of the women who listen are spiritual women, entrepreneurs, women who have really big hearts, who are sensitive, who are emotionally intelligent people, or people who are in businesses or professions where they're holding space for others, where they are serving other people, helping them to live better lives in some way. And so if you're that kind of person, my best bet is that you have a huge amount of empathy. You have a huge amount of emotional maturity to be that kind of person. And there was a recent study that I saw that was saying that people who have high levels of empathy and compassion for other people are very, very unlikely to participate or condone in online shaming and cancel culture. But on the flip side of that, this wasn't part of the study, but this was my hot take on it. I feel like the people who have the most empathy and sensitivity 
and a really deep care in their hearts for how they impact other people are some of the people who are most affected by seeing cancel culture. So even though they don't participate in it, even though they don't condone that behavior, they're kind of the ones who see it and are really deeply affected by it, who feel really afflicted, who are worrying oh my God, am I a bad person? Am I impacting people negatively? You know, have I done something wrong? Am I trauma-informed enough? Am I ethical enough? And the people who are usually asking those questions are the people who shouldn't be worried about it. Whereas there are other people who should be worried about it, who are never asking themselves that question because they don't care because they're overestimating themselves. They have an overinflated sense of confidence and maybe they are doing shady stuff. It's kind of like that thing where, you know, mums, a lot of mums feel mum guilt and they ask themselves, am I a good mum? And the answer to that is like, if you're asking that question, you're obviously an amazing mum because why else would you be asking that question? You're striving to be an amazing mom. And so that's a reason why you're questioning it in the first place. And so I think it's important that I open up this conversation and my perspective on it, because what's breaking my heart at the moment is seeing so many women choked up who are afraid to say anything online because they're afraid that they're going to get it wrong. They're afraid that if they make one mistake, that there's going to be this crowd of people with burning stakes and the fury of hell coming for them. And I don't think that that serves anyone for everyone to be walking around on eggshells. Because when you're walking around on eggshells, you're not going to be able to deliver your expression in the most authentic way. You're going to be holding back. And what happens when you hold back, especially if you're someone who's sharing really important messages that help people to transform their lives, is you're not going to be able to fully help them. You're watering down the truth of what it is that you have to say. And watered down advice, watered down messages, watered down communication doesn't create intimacy. It doesn't create an authentic dialogue. Think about it through the lens of friendship or partnership. If you don't explicitly communicate with people and, you know, sometimes in relationship you have to say things that you know are going to be hard for the other person to hear, but it's important that you share it because it's the truth and you want to be in a loving, open, connected relationship that's built on honesty. If you don't, you can't have that. And it's the same if you're an online business owner, if you're not authentically expressing because you've got this big apology in the back of your throat, you're not going to be able to create or have that trust or have that connection with the people that you're here to help. And they're not going to feel that with you either. And that's a big fucking problem if you're a coach, a healer, a teacher, a space holder, anyone who helps people or is in a helping profession if people can't feel you if they don't trust you you can't help them do the things that they want to do you can't fully have that open brave trusting space with them so I want to make my perspective clear and bring some nuance to it the first thing that I want to say is that I absolutely I'm against cancel culture of any kind. No matter what someone has done, they don't deserve to have hundreds or thousands of people bullying them, stalking them, trying to ruin their lives. Or in some cases, these cancel culture campaigns are trying to remove that person's income, you know, boycott them. I just think that it's a really punitive response when someone makes a mistake and maybe they need to own up to that mistake and maybe there is some ramifications or consequences that need to be had from that behavior or from that mistake but that doesn't necessarily equal thousands of people who don't even know that person coming for them bullying them berating them online I just think that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy you're shaming someone and then like what are they going to feel they're going to feel more shame and when people feel shame they don't change they want to hide 
they want to contract or they want to do the opposite. They want to get really defensive and fight you off. And I don't think that that's a very neutral place from which change, behavior change, transformation, and nor can it allow for that person to fully hear and maybe fully take responsibility for what they need to learn, how they need to grow, etc. If somebody is being attacked by thousands of people online, they're not going to be in a nervous system state to be like, okay, cool, here's where I can take responsibility for this and here's what isn't my responsibility. All rational thought is going to go out the window. It's also just incredibly oblivious to the fact that most people, even if they're super successful or they seem like their life is perfect, most people have trauma or a lot of people have trauma. And I find it interesting that a lot of these cancel culture campaigns are being spearheaded by people who want the coaching industry to be more trauma-informed. But from my understanding and my training in trauma-informed care, what they're doing is literally the antithesis of that because they are dehumanizing that person. A core facet of trauma-informed care or practice and approach is honoring people's humanity regardless of their trauma or their mistakes or their behaviors. Another core tenet is realizing that people's behavior doesn't define them. And a lot of our behaviors and our learned behaviors come from our lived experiences. And many people have lived experiences of trauma, even if they, like I said, seem perfect or they're very successful. And even space holders and coaches might be working with their own trauma and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to make those mistakes publicly if they're in the public eye and they're very visible and working with a lot of people. Even the most highly trained, trauma-informed trauma-responsive specialists are going to make mistakes because one of the things that you learn when you do a trauma-informed training is that you cannot ever create a fully safe space. So when people are talking about, you know, you have to make a safe space, that's actually the opposite of what they teach you in trauma-informed care. They teach you that you can't create a safe space because you cannot assume what is safety or what safety feels like for everyone. And so instead, what is taught is that instead of creating safety, what you want to do is at every step, try and resist harm. But if you're asking people to do that, but you're causing harm to them and you're dehumanizing them and you're reducing their entire human self to one mistake or one behavior, even if that behavior is super ignorant and they probably should change it, you're not actually practicing or embodying the change that you're asking them to. And so I think it's just like that thing of fighting fire with fire. And that's never been my approach in life. And that doesn't have to be your approach, but my approach and my opinion on this is that if you want a certain change in the world, your first job is to clean up your side of the street. And your first job is to go, How can I be the symbol of that? If I want other people to do this, how can I hold the torch for that? So how can I still be outspoken maybe on the things that I think need to change, but how can I do that in a way that is kind instead of petty? How can I do that in a way where I give people the benefit of the doubt rather than just basing an entire campaign or online shaming perspective on one person's account? We all know that there are two sides or three sides to every story, right? There's the side of one person, the side of the other person, and then there's like the actual truth. (laughs) So how can we just give people more compassion and empathy and also recognize that, yes, we can name distortion. Yes, we can name things that are going on, but how we do it matters. Now, like I said, don't agree with cancel culture at all, but I can understand some of the reasons why it's been happening in the coaching and spiritual industry. There is some crazy shit that's going on in the industry. There are some really shitty unethical practices. And my opinion is that the industry does need us to do better there are things that go on that I think are not okay. 
And there's lots of people who have felt victimized or harmed or manipulated by certain things. And you also know I'm a huge advocate for women using their voices, for sticking up for themselves, for standing up for what they believe in, for being real, you know, and not just love and lighting and spiritually bypassing stuff. I've always been like that. And I've always felt like a black sheep in the spiritual industry for that because I just believe in being 100% real, down to earth, human, and having uncomfortable, messy conversations if it means that we're getting to the truth. And in getting to the truth, we get to have a real connection with the people that we're in connection with. And so I think part of that is naming the ugly elephant in the room. And so I can also understand why there has been this backlash because there are a lot of people who have felt like they didn't have a voice for a long time. And then suddenly there were these forums or these spaces on the internet where they could finally be heard. And from the trauma-informed or trauma-aware perspective, you know, that's probably really empowering if people have had a lived experience in their life where they felt unheard or they felt abused or manipulated. And then if they feel like a coach has done that to them, then it makes sense. And it, it I suppose in some ways it was probably very healing for them to finally have a space where they felt heard, where they felt like, hey, I'm not alone in this, where their anger was welcome. However, I think there needs to be some kind of line that's drawn between having a voice, speaking the truth, processing your emotions, naming distortions, and flat out shaming, ostracizing, inflicting your pain or projecting your pain onto someone else in a way that completely disregards their humanity, that lacks any empathy, that lacks any kind of compassion for the other person. And I think what this comes down to is us all improving our communication skills. So from the side of a coach or a teacher or an entrepreneur, it's like what channels are in place where people can give you feedback and you can remain open and neutral and receptive to that feedback. What legal policies do you have in place and how clearly are those articulated so that people know where they stand when it comes to refunds when it comes to cooling off periods after they've bought something and can they you know change their mind what's the process if they have an issue during your program or during their experience with you what are all those things and how do you clearly lay those out so that no stone is left unturned and everything is really really clear and then on the flip side with a client it's like have you expressed your hurt or your disappointment with the other person, with the coach? You know, have you even told them any of this or are they hearing about it for the first time when you start trashing them on the internet? Now, I understand that this is complicated. Maybe you are a client who's had a coach or worked with a business owner before and that you just knew they are totally gaslighting you they're totally bypassing you there's no way I can give this feedback without them basically losing their shit at me or punishing me or excluding me whatever it may be right I don't know everyone's specific situation but what I think is part of the solution for all of us to move through this so we can be more empathetic and give people the benefit of the doubt and also all of us be allowed to be human and make mistakes and grow together. I think the key to starting that wave of change is us all looking at our own inner work, looking at where we can practice more humility, where we can practice more openness, where we can have, you know, this awareness, like, hey, we don't know everything and we're going to make mistakes and how are we always looking to learn and to resist like harming other people as much as we can and how can we also stand in our authentic expression and have our own opinions and be polarizing without being a total fucking dickhead to other people. And this goes for both sides. Whether you're on the end of someone shaming you or you're the person 
doing the cancel culture, I think the best thing you can do is look inside and ask yourself what's beneath this. Usually there's some kind of hurt or there's something that you don't know that you don't know. And I think if we want other people to do better, we need to always ask ourselves, how can we do better? And when you're constantly dedicated to your own healing, examining your wounding, your patterns, your attachment, your communication style, how that shows up in your business or in your coach, client, client, coach dynamic, the more that you do that, the healthier our competence is going to be on both sides, the healthier it's going to be to move through conflict so that they don't escalate to the point of big online shaming campaigns and the easier it is to practice discernment. This goes both ways. Discernment on the side of the coach, understanding what kind of people are a good match for you to be working with, who can you really help, who do you actually have the skills to help and also who's not a match who is not the ideal client for you, who is not the person that you're able to help and making sure that your marketing and your protocols and everything that you have control over is set up to allow the best outcome for both parties. And then on the side of clients and customers, applying that self-awareness into discernment about what kind of products and services are right for you, not falling prey to predatory marketing tactics. I'm not saying that if you have experienced that, that it's your fault at all. I want to make that very clear. But when you have more self-awareness and more discernment, it's going to be easier for you to realize like, oh, you know, this person is using this marketing tactic to kind of poke me in this wound. But because I'm aware of it, I can then behave differently and I'm not going to buy that or I'm not going to allow them to manipulate me. And that's really powerful to be able to see through that shit and to go, nah, boundary, not going there, not today, motherfucker. So now I want to touch on why I think cancel culture and online shaming has been particularly harmful to people who are online using their voice and I know that a lot of people who they've not even been like targeted. So nobody has necessarily said something bad about them yet, but they've been watching women just like them being dragged through the mud or having rumors spread about them online or kind of only half truth. So like one side of the story is being spread online and they're feeling really affected by that. Maybe you're feeling really cautious when you show up now. Or maybe that's always been something that you've dealt with, feeling like you can't fully express yourself. And so then when you see that shit happening, you're like, oh my God, I was right. I can't fully express myself because it's dangerous to do so. I want to speak to why some of this might be the case for you so that you know exactly where the root of that fear and that wound exists. And when you know where the root is, you know exactly where to go in that garden to pull the weed out. One of the big reasons that this trend or this cultural movement of wanting to cancel and discard people is particularly impactful to female entrepreneurs is because women don't feel fully safe using their full voice anyway. And when I say that, I don't mean that you're not using your voice. I'm talking to those of you who are using your voice online, you're saying shit online, you've got an online business, you're making reels, you're making podcasts, you come across as confident to your audience, to the people that know you. But secretly or deep inside or even in just subtle ways, you know I'm not using my full expression because there are parts of my voice, opinions that I have, perspectives that I hold that I do not fully share when I show up online. And if you asked yourself, well, why is that? You might also ask yourself, well, how would I say it to a friend who I know unconditionally loves me? And do I say it the same way online? A lot of you would say, no, I would say it differently to my friend who I feel safe with. And I would 
change the language or say it differently or I wouldn't use that word online because then people might think that I'm uneducated or that I'm harmful or that I'm controversial. And so that is an indication in some ways, not that it's bad or that there's anything necessarily really wrong, but it does point to potentially not feeling fully safe to use your voice in the most free, calm, self-knowing way. So here are some of my thoughts around why this is. So I mean, perfectionism is huge. And perfectionism is a huge thing amongst entrepreneurs. It's part of what drives a lot of our ambition. Sometimes it's part of that drive and perseverance for constant excellence. And our society celebrates that. The business world celebrates that, right? Having your shit together, always going bigger and better and faster. And perhaps some of that is rooted in perfectionism. But you know what is also rooted in perfectionism? A deep fear that there is danger around you. And perfectionism is the coping mechanism. Perfectionism is the voice in you that says, if I can just be perfect, then I can control the outcome in some way or I can avoid dangerous or bad things potentially happening to me. If I'm just perfect, then maybe everything will be okay. And this is a learned behavior in childhood. You've never met a newborn baby that was worried about being perfect. Those kiddos do not give a fuck. (laughs) So we know that it's not a natural born way of being. It's a learned adaptation that we have. But the thing with perfectionism is that it leads to all these other things in our experience and our behavior that are maybe not positive things. So when you're a perfectionist or you have perfectionistic tendencies, one of the ways that that can show up in your voice is always wanting to say the perfect thing, always wanting to get your words exactly right, always wanting to appear in the perfect way. And how that perfect way might be defined for you is going to be different for everyone. Maybe it's always being seen as the good person or the righteous woman or the perfect coach or the smartest person in the room. And so then if you make a mistake, that feels like death to your subconscious and to your body because that's your core way of getting safety. And deep down, you believe it's dangerous to not be perfect. And perfectionists are really hard on themselves when they make a mistake And then you imagine making that mistake publicly. So you're not only mortified in yourself and feeling unsafe, but then you have hundreds or thousands of people pointing at you, being like, you made a fucking mistake. We're coming for you. That literally feels like death in the nervous system of a hardcore perfectionist. Many female entrepreneurs are, even though they're not aware of it, because they think, oh, a perfectionist just has everything in their house really clean and tidy, or they do this, or the hair is always perfect. Perfectionism doesn't have to be this narrow definition that we've been taught. Perfectionism can show up in many ways and very sneaky ways as well. So if you're taught, Or you learn, I have to be perfect in order to be loved, in order to be safe, in order to get my needs met. And then the way that you get your needs met is being an entrepreneur. So your client relationships or people buying from you or people liking your social media is directly linked to your income and providing food and shelter and safety for yourself. You can see how that becomes very complex when you see these cancel culture campaigns happening. You can see immediately how it becomes very, very scary to put out opinionated or polarizing content because, for example, what if you make a podcast and then in five years time or 10 years time, you've completely matured or changed your mind because you know more and then people come and dig up that old episode and go, she said this five years ago. You can imagine the hesitation or maybe you felt it 
with wanting to create anything at all because there's all these what-ifs in your mind. You're preempting all the mistakes that you might make and then you're preempting all the ways that people might come for you if you make that mistake. And that's a very paralyzing place to be. For many people, it creates the freeze response, that trauma response in their body. For others, it creates the fawn response. So they feel like they have to people please and just bow down to whatever the woke people are saying because they don't want to be seen as a bad person. And so even though sometimes the people who are engaging or spearheading these cancel culture campaigns are being emotionally abusive themselves towards others, people are just laying down and taking shit. Even though deep down they don't agree. Even though deep down they're like, this is wrong, you're taking what I said out of context or you're literally making things up because that happens too. But they feel like they can't have a voice or they can't fight back because then they'll be labeled this, that and the other and they won't belong and they'll be ostracized and bullied out of society and they'll just be sitting in their own shame. Another reason that this topic really gets me fired up is because my whole line of work and my life's mission is around helping women to be unapologetic. And what that actually means is helping them to deprogram their minds from thousands of years of patriarchal conditioning that says that they need to be good, sweet, nice, perfect little girls who do things this way, who aren't too much, but also aren't ever enough. And they have to erase the parts of themselves that make other people uncomfortable. So I spend all of my days thinking about or holding space for women who are walking this path of coming out of hiding, of unleashing their dynamite explosive voice healing their throat chakra, healing their trauma and their wounding and their good girl conditioning. So when I see a wave of women who have been on this journey for a few years, who felt really confident, but then something comes along and really knocks their spirit, it feels personal to me because I don't want and I don't think the world needs more women who are taught and who are yelled at and convinced that they have to be perfect and good if they want to have any kind of sense of compassion from others and if they want to be treated as human. Telling people that they are defined by one mistake they made is the most dehumanizing shit I've ever heard. And I think it's kind of weird because a lot of times the people who are engaging in this kind of toxic behavior are the people who also hold very liberal values around wanting to abolish the prison system because it's a punitive approach right it's not rehabilitative but then on the flip side if someone like a normal person or a business owner makes a mistake they want their head for it and I just think that it's so bizarre You know, this even feels really edgy to say because I feel like someone's going to come for me for saying it. But like, fuck it. This is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm talking about with other people who are also too scared to say anything. And I think, fuck it. Needs to be said. Think what you want about it. But like I said, it feels very personal to me. And I think that we're living in this time of very extreme thinking and that's not how I personally operate. My brain doesn't work like that. I'm a mental projector, so I feel like I see a thousand sides to every coin. When I'm in situations where people are having an argument, I can almost see every side of the argument and I can understand and I can really find where I think the truth is without disregarding the fact that other truths exist and so when people are so extreme or so binary in their thinking or so this or that it's kind of frustrating for me I'm like can't you see that there are different sides to this and maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle maybe we should stop thinking in black and white and hold space for the complex shit that is this world human beings 
and the way that we behave. The human condition is not black and white. People are not exclusively good or bad. And I think we do each other a huge disservice, all of us, to reduce people to these boxes of good person, bad person, and defining people only by some mistakes that they've made. One of the other parts of this conversation that I want to bring that I haven't really seen anyone else speak to and something that relates to the work that I do and what I help people with. So let me start with what it is. So one of the big things that women come to me for or they see me as a leader or an expander for them is this idea that you can be a multidimensional woman. And it sounds really simple and logically we all know this, but this is a huge stumbling block for a lot of the women that come to me, that follow me, that work with me. There's parts of them that believe it's not safe to be fully all of what I am. I can be in this expression quite easily online, but there are these other sides to me that I don't feel as comfortable showing. So maybe you feel really powerful in being a teacher and being really smart and really good at what you do but you feel like being sensual or talking about you know certain other topics or talking about money is super uncomfortable for you because you think that people are not going to accept that or you think that certain parts of your identity don't match other parts of your identity and so you hide the ones that you think are shameful or not welcome and then you over amplify other parts of you so that's the thing that I want to talk about and I want to relate it back to cancel culture and online shaming and what I've seen happening in the coaching industry specifically so if you keep in mind that a lot of women have this fear that it's not safe to be multi-dimensional that it's not safe to show certain sides of who they are. And then you see a bunch of people being shamed for certain aspects of their identity or certain aspects of their expression, whether it's the fact that they talk really comfortably and confidently about money or they're spiritual and they're a coach and they love to help people, but they also are someone who is super successful and they make a lot of money through their business Or there's someone who is a business coach, but they also teach about sex, for example. And then you have a bunch of people saying like, you're only allowed to talk about this and you can't talk about these two things at the same time. And that makes you unethical. You can see that someone who already struggles to embody the fullness of who they are or the different dimensions of who they are, how that kind of dialogue affects them. They're already affected by the fact that they think parts of themselves don't make sense. They already have a voice in their own head saying, am I allowed to be that much? (laughs) You know, am I allowed to be all these things at once? And then you have people online who are shaming other women for being beautiful or being sexual or being rich or being spiritual and all those things. And it kind of just pokes them where it's already hurting. The reason that I think this cuts so deep, because when I think about the times where I've been really afraid or blocked in my self-expression because of what I've seen online, and when I think of the conversations that I've had with so many of you behind the scenes and in my DMs about this, this goes deeper than just our lifetime. This is an ancient wound that lives in our blood and our bones. If you think about it, it's very likely that of all your female ancestors, you are the one that has the most safety and freedom to be yourself. So in your lifetime, you might not know the same kinds of oppression, danger, restriction, power dynamics as your grandmother or women hundreds of years before you and your family. But it's a pretty new thing to your body and your bloodline to have that amount of freedom, to have that amount of safety, to be who you are. And so 
for your body, for your nervous system, which is inclusive of instincts that have been handed down to you, that feeling of unsafety and that feeling of being threatened, of not having your needs met, of not belonging, of people coming for you, wanting to take you down, that's fucking deep shit, (laughs) you know? It's the only way I know how to say it. That's fucking deep shit, man. Um, So while you might logically know like, hey, okay, if a couple of hundred people write nasty comments about me, what's going to happen? I'm going to see those comments. My life's probably going to just continue mostly as usual. I'll be sad for a bit, but nothing too crazy is going to happen. Like I'm not going to die or anything. You know that logically, but the visceral triggering feeling of that happening or the fear of that happening is a totally different thing. So it creates that disconnect between your logical mind and what you're somatically experiencing. And that's where I think people fall into this analysis paralysis or this tug of war in their mind because logically they know like, okay, this isn't actually a threat to my life, but in their body, it feels like it is. So why is that? I think part of it is to do with this ancient wound, with this trauma in the feminine lineage for thousands of years of patriarchy where it wasn't safe to be rejected by society. Because if you're a woman a couple of hundred years ago, not that long ago, by the way, that's just like two people ago, (laughs) you know, two or three people ago, If you were rejected or exiled by society as a woman, you would probably die because you wouldn't have your needs met. If you weren't married, you had no one to depend on, you had no social standing, maybe you couldn't even get food. Because in certain cultures a couple of hundred years ago, women weren't necessarily even allowed to be educated, let alone have their own resources. So... That feeling of people coming for you might not be the same as it was back then, but perhaps your body has a similar reaction. And then for some of us, it's a this lifetime thing where you've been bullied as a kid. You've been scrutinized as a kid by an overbearing parent or a dominating person in your household or in your life where you had to walk around on eggshells and you could never get it right. For me, that's my story. I had a really dominating, abusive stepdad for 10 years. And no matter what I did, even though I was the golden child and I tried so hard to be perfect at everything, I tried to get the best grades and I did do all these things, best grades, in the popular club in high school, an athlete, a musician. I played two different instruments, you know, ticked all the boxes. It still was never satisfying. I was still always getting yelled at. My mom was getting yelled at because I did something that displeased that person. And so what happened to me is I became very disassociated and avoidant. I couldn't feel anything and I would just shut up and shut down so that that threat would go away. I used to think if I just don't say anything, he'll eventually leave me alone. And maybe some of you have that experience if you've experienced bullying, which a lot of people have. There are different ways to cope and survive that. But for many people, the way to survive that is to just shut down and to not give your bully anything to hang on to. But if you're feeling that same feeling coming up and your inner child is hurting because people are bullying you or you're afraid that that will happen again, that's very overwhelming. And it becomes even more overwhelming if you're a business owner where your income is linked to how you use your voice and how you confidently show up up online and being able to use your expression to market the things that you do. So it can be very, very overwhelming, but it can also be an incredible opportunity for deep, 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 deep 
healing for you. As fucked and as hard as it feels. I wrote in a post that I put out today. I was talking a little bit about the fear of using your voice. And something that I wrote in there was that breaking out of this narrow box that people try and put you in is ancestral revolution. And that's why it can feel so messy. That's why it can feel like such a big deal to be on that path and facing these inner demons or outer demons if you're facing bullies because you're walking an entirely new unforeseen path to every woman before you in your lineage who didn't have a voice and you're doing it without a map. Part of the reason that many people are doing this without a map is because a lot of people who have been cancelled don't really speak out about it. A lot of people get off the internet. A lot of people find themselves wallowing in a lot of shame and self-censorship. They're being shamed by other people and they feel deeply, deeply ashamed. Some of them even end up in places of, you know, suicidal ideation where their brain starts believing all these awful things that people are saying about them. And that's fucking devastating. And I think if that is happening, if these campaigns are going that far, where that is happening, we have to seriously question ourselves as a species. And we also need to stand up against cancel culture Distinct from people using their voice and sharing their truth online to stand up for themselves. But cancel culture itself is a different beast. There's a completely different intention underneath that than there is having a truthful, authentic conversation or sharing your experiences from an integrated place. So I wanted to just have this chat with you because a lot of people are just having this chat in their own brain, in the shower with themselves, with their shampoo bottle, swelling around in their own thoughts, their own shame, their own fears with it. And as you know, if you know me, being a Leo, our kind of vibe is courage is the name of the game. Like one of my highest values is bravery and courage. And part of that means that much to the fear of my inner child, I dare to go first. So I'm kind of daring to go first and just put this authentic share out there and just let you know that you're not alone and I'm holding the torch for us to be willing to go out there and be brave and make mistakes. If you're someone who is daring to live a courageous life, if you're in a helping profession, you're a coach, you are going to fuck up. You are going to make mistakes. I've made mistakes. I've royally fucked up before. But all you can do is learn from those mistakes. When someone comes to you with negative or critical feedback, when you do inner work on yourself and you constantly commit to that, it then becomes so much easier to take that feedback and go, okay, cool. What can I learn from this? Maybe part of this is true. What a gift that this person has brought this to me so that I can learn. And then maybe you also sift some into a separate part and you go, you know what, like I'm hearing what that person says and I fully honor their humanity, but that is part of their projection and that's not fully true for me and I'm not going to absorb that, but I'm still going to hear them out. That to me is badass power that is some bad bitch confidence and humility they go together confident humility and this is exactly like I said what I'm going to be guiding you to do in burn the rules opening next week this is going to be the most electric but also grounding deeply supportive experience for you and you're going to fully get it down to the bones that you don't have to obey old rules. You do not have to pander to anybody else's expectations, cough, demands of you 
or make sense to the crowd. You get to burn the rules and write your own. That's what makes life and human beings beautiful. We're all fucking different. We have different values. We have different ways of seeing the world. We have different principles and rules that we live by. But we don't get that beautiful richness and diversity and all the coloring crayons of this magical life if we are getting stuck in these extremes of thinking or when we are unconsciously or consciously following someone else's rule book. And this rule book that I'm talking about is kind of metaphorical, but it's whatever rules you're following that dishonor your humanity, that don't truly fit with your essence. And you're following those rules because you're afraid You're afraid to be too much. You're afraid to not belong. You're afraid to be canceled. And what I'm inviting you to do, whether you're in band the rules or you're just listening to this and vibing, is to ask yourself, what rules do I want to live by? And you know, maybe you don't want to live by any fucking rules. (laughs) And that is fucking amazing too. Go off queen. But I think it's good to reflect on it. It's good to reflect on where we unconsciously living by default according to principles or ways of being that don't truly resonate, that don't light us up, that don't give us life. So that's some food for thought. If you love this episode, send me a DM, let me know. Get on that burn the rules wait list. And yeah, I would love if you could send me a DM and let me know what you thought because even though I feel really like good and confident to release this episode, let me just say it is kind of edgy for me. I just want to be totally real with you. It is edgy for me to speak to this stuff because cancel culture people do not like when you say cancel cancel culture. They really do not like it. It usually gets a really big reaction out of people. And so if you did resonate or find this helpful, I would really, really appreciate to hear from you. And that's my humble little request if I have one. (laughs) I hope that this episode uplifted you or at least gave you some food for thought, maybe helped you to see something differently. And I'm sending you tons of love. I'll see you in the next episode. Until then, have an amazing day. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.